What's going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Pro GK Podcast, the quarantine series. Today's episode is going to be something a little bit different. I was actually interviewed by my good friend, Stan Anderson. Stan is the owner and founder of Camp Shutout. It's a huge camp in Wisconsin. You guys should definitely check them out, campshutout.com. And you guys can find him at Camp Shutout on all social media handles. But he had me on for one of his Instagram lives, and we just did a little bit of Q&A, which led to me essentially talking about my highs and lows of my youth career and how that allowed me to you know, gain experiences from different coaches and from my own playing career to help my goalkeepers today as a coach. Hope you guys enjoy this one. A lot of great information in there. Uh, Stan and I are really transparent and open about experiences that we both had, and hopefully you guys take a lot out of it. And lastly, guys, please rate, review, and subscribe. As you guys know, the podcast will be a little bit easier to discover if it has more reviews and more ratings. So if you guys enjoy the podcast, please do me that favor. And if you haven't, please do it. Again, guys, my name is Omar Zini. Hopefully you guys enjoy this episode. Have a great day. Take care. Stan, what's up? How are you? Good, you? I'm doing all right. You know, Ramadan is uh, in full full swing now, so it's tough. My days consist of uh, I wake up, I work. I sleep, I wake up, I work, I sleep. A lot of naps. How uh, we had players back at UWM and Marquette, and others that uh, went through Ramadan, and uh, it was very difficult. How long of a period is it? It's 30 days. So it's the entire month. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah from sundown to sundown so it's just tough now because obviously we can't see our family or we can see our family we can't see our friends and that kind of makes the fasting to us as we get older a little more worth it that we can kind of celebrate friday saturday sundays late nights early mornings with our friends and now we can't do that so it's tough but you know i have my family we're getting through it man 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 wow yeah admirable <laughs> man admirable it's cool yeah i mean I'm, i enjoy it and i think it's definitely one of those things that i i mean i grew up with and I'm used to now, but, uh, but yeah, it's, it's, it's rewarding at the end of it. I can, uh, you know, I can only imagine. Um, Barraza just hopped on. Mr. Safras hopped on. A bunch of your other people have hopped on <laughs> as well. So uh, we're here tonight with Omar Zini of Pro, <clears throat> Pro GK Academy. I've uh, got a little cough going. I apologize. <laughs> Hopefully no the worries. cough will, will help a little bit here. Um, Pro GK Academy, as I've said in multiple platforms different places i think one of the top up and coming young coaches in the game today um it doesn't matter the level uh so that's uh that's my feelings and i've been able to watch up close as well so i'm not saying that off of the off of the whim or off <laughs> of a whim or uh, off the cuff so um thank you we've already spent you you're welcome we've already spent some time together as you well know and some of the people here may know as well and uh so now we're spending some time together again, but the roles reversed a little bit. <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. Yeah. So, uh, <clears throat> tell me a little bit about um, the youth football for you. What uh, what was that like, and where was it, and when did it turn to GK? And you know, maybe maybe up to the college time. What uh, what did that look like? Uh, you know, I, I definitely. I wanted to play on the field. I think that was my number one thing growing up. And I think that also, I'm not going to lie to you, I think it really helped me develop my psyche of how I approached, you know, the modern game now of, of reading different uh, patterns of play, reading certain open, uh, passing lanes that are open, certain tendencies that might happen where the ball may fall in a little, in a little scuffle. 
So I was always like always trying to figure out where the next play was going to be because I was a little bit slower and I needed to take that one extra step to figure out where it was going so that I could be there a little early. So I think early on I was, I was playing like ASO, AYSO and, and uh, playing on the field. I was much bigger. I grew a lot faster than a lot of people. So I was probably, I don't know what the average size was. I was definitely like four or five inches taller than, than everybody at, at probably yeah. 10, 11 years old. And at that point, uh, I didn't want to play on the field anymore. And a coach came up to my parents, who's, you know, well-known in, in Pasadena, California here, named Sharif Zane. And he said, yeah, your son is like obviously a lot bigger. And my, my uncle, uh, who's my mom's brother, he played professionally in Mexico as a goalkeeper. So anytime he would come home, we'd have like a barbecue in the backyard and he would see me like he would shoot on a little mini goal. And he would say, this kid has like really natural reactions. He loves just kind of diving. He loves letting himself go. How about you guys try him in goal? So combination of Sharif and my parents collaborating on that and my, and, uh, my uncle collaborating on that put me in goal. Awesome. Yeah. And then um, I was, I think I was around 11 years old and Sharif had a gold, you under 11 gold team, which is like back then, obviously in co-soccer league here in California, gold is the highest at that age. Okay. And I mean, I went from not playing goalie that much to stepping in now with a gold team. It's at Surf Cup. And that's when I realized what butterflies were. That's when I realized what like, being nervous was and having to kind of you know, maneuver through all that stuff. So I have to, my parents, like we, I still go, when I go to San Diego, when I visit some of my friends, I know exactly the Denny's that I had to stop to use the restroom and throw up, whatever. Just like I had to, I had to, <laughs> I, had to I had to, I had to let it out. And it was a very like, uh, it was a, a great, I really enjoyed the feeling, but I also hated it. It was love hate. And yeah. then from, from there, I, uh, my uncle retired, and he, he became the goalkeeper coach at the club. And then Michael Madgett became the goalkeeper coach at the club as well. So that's how Mike and I got to know each other. And little by little, we started fine-tuning little aspects of my game and obviously taking my height and what I could do and um, just loving letting myself go, but also fine-tuning the technique so that it was kind of like method to the madness in a sense. So little by little, things got better and better. And I was like 15 years old. We played against the U.S. Women's National Team. They were getting ready for, a, uh, for, I think, for the Olympics or the World Cup. And my goalkeeper coach at Galaxy, who, he was at my game, and we beat them like 4-5-1. I, I saved like two PKs. And it was just a very, like, like uh, it was one of those moments that kind of coming out party in a sense. And he, he saw me, and he said, hey, like, I really want you to come, you know, try out for us, and I want you to play with us. And I said, you know, I'm really committed to my team. And Little did I know, a lot of my teammates were approached as well. So eight or nine of us got signed with the Galaxy like three months later. Uh, joined that, and again, professional environment, and now there's higher expectations. You're not just playing for yourself or your family. Now you're playing for a club. And that, obviously, my goalkeeper coach was, has an Air, had an Air Force background. So the, psycho, the psychological side of the game and how he approached it was so new to me. And yeah. he was really – like I t I've, I've told on many platforms here that like – the training sessions were more nerve wracking and I felt more nervous going into training than I ever did any game. And yeah. I remember like there were times where I would come out for a cross cause he wanted everything to be so perfect and he demanded it. And I came out for a cross in a game and I barely touched it, went out for a corner kick. And I remember like just being so nervous that at halftime I'd have to face him. And I walked up to him and I said, coach, I'm so sorry that I didn't get, you know, more of a hand on that to influence it a little bit more, keep it in bounds or, you know, get a catch on it. It's like, look, Omar, I say, whatever, I say what I say, but as long as you do your job and you don't get scored on, I don't care how you do it. And that kind of like woke, up, woke me up a little bit more as to how I, when I stepped into Good. the coaching world. Yeah. So, yeah, Good. from there, from there at Galaxy, I spent two years. And then I went to uh, UC Davis, played four years there. Uh, was a starter about 12 games into my freshman year. And then I started the rest of the, my time there. And 
that was cool. I mean, I definitely really I enjoyed that. My goalkeeper coach there was different. He was more uh, – he enjoyed the position. He really wanted to make us feel like there was no stress, and stress came from the game, not from him. Sure. So it, it opened up a level of communication that I never had before. So yeah. I talk, we talked to John Bush this morning, and, and, and uh, Andy – I don't know how to say it. Grunenbaum? I don't know how to say his last name. Greenbaum. Greenbaum, yeah. And they were both just discussing how you take a little bit from every coach and every player that you come across. And I felt after I left Galaxy and then I get to, to Davis and then after Davis, I coupled my coaching styles after both of those guys. So I like to be serious when I need to be, but I really hold that voice in yeah. for the goalkeepers to know that it means something. And then at the same time, too, I'm also not silly, but I like to be their friend in a sense to make sure that they understand that I'm looking out for their best interests. And when I yell at them or when I say something to them that I really put my foot down, it's, it's out of love and out of like, we want to get you to the next level. And, and yeah, so I think hopefully that gave you a little bit of a background of everything. Yeah. And you know, that last point, the, the, the position itself has enough mental challenges Yeah, that us providing more as coaches onto either a youth player or even an advanced player. I think an advanced player, you really need to pick and choose maybe that collegiate or a professional player, you got to really <clears throat> pick and choose when you're going to have a little bit of a go. And I did do that with Matt Pizdrowski. Matt's up here, and oh, that nice. was him, him saving a penalty against Michigan in the spring. But there was a time in in, um, in season where we were really, really struggling, and he was struggling as well. I always saw the potential, but I, uh, I chose, you know, um, conscious choice to have a little bit of a go at him in front of the team. So the team would see that he's also held to the same standard. It's not just patting him on the bum all the time. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I, I completely, I completely agree with you. You know, there's a time and, and there's a place. Yeah. What led you to UC Davis? What, um, let's go back there for a second. What, what brought you there? And it's fantastic that you went in and as a freshman secured the role. You know what, Sam? It's it wasn't. I mean, I you know hindsight's twenty twenty, but it wasn't as straightforward as as I wish it would have been. I remember my uh, like after I got to the Galaxy, I was seen as somebody who could step into like a Stanford or Cal, like really step in and, and make a difference at the Division One level. And I uh, let's say my junior year, and it was going into around let's say October time. I came out for a I came out for a ball. It was like a cross that came in. I came out for a ball. And I, I was looking straight forward. A guy came from, the, from my right side, my blind side, and knocked me over, pretty much like propelled me in the air. I, did, I, I tore my rotator cuff. And so probably for like three months, I was on the sideline. And I was, uh, you know, just watching and, and trying to get better. At the time, too, it's, I was young, and I was thinking of it as more of a vacation, you know, just going out to the sessions once, twice a week instead of three times, learning from the coach and trying to get better. But I would go out to sessions, not much pressure. But they said, hey, we really want you back. Let's hurry, hurry. So I did the rehab while I was at training and got a little bit better and better. But I was not ready for the winter showcase, which was, I'd say, December, December of my junior year. Okay. And so I came in. I was out of shape. I didn't take care of my body. I didn't rehab properly. So I was I felt better it, at the time had, had kind of helped me recover. But psychologically, my fitness was off. My coach at the time said, hey, you know, you have kind of smaller hands. How about you wear a size up? So I was wearing, I was wearing, I know, I was like all these little things that I was tips and tricks that I was getting. And I wore like a size 11 glove, which was like a little bit bigger. So I was already feeling like uncomfortable going into this showcase. They called me and said, hey, we want you to play against IMG Academy. That's the best team we're going to be playing against. That's who we want you to play. And I actually have a podcast about this where 
I step into this game. I had New Mexico, Stanford, Berkeley, uh, UCLA, like all these big time coaches were coming to watch me. And I remember seeing them get there, you know, pull up their seats, get ready to go. And, um, you know, at that age, too, you're very easily influenced by, you know, sure. big time, big time professionals and how they their demeanor is. And you'll understand that there's a process how they got there. So I yeah. was trying to I was trying to be different in my warm up and I wasn't trying. I was like being way more serious than I was and trying to show them like with like a very stern face that I meant business, you know. But again, I didn't have the proper training prior. I probably had like a week or two back and I, I, didn't, I didn't feel like myself. So game starts. I start chasing the game. You know, we beat this team 5-1, but in the first half, there's a, a ball that comes in. It's a shot. I right at my hands, and I literally, like, sw sweep my feet, and I push it out of bounds. Five minutes later, they hit a cross in. I don't even – I don't know why I'm coming for it. It goes, like, all the way to the far post. It's one of those ones where you kind of, like, pretend you're going for it. It goes out of bounds, whatever. Yeah. I went up, and I, like, did this, like, you know, just crazy jump, slapped it out of bounds, went for another corner. And long story short, second half, they, they're one shot on goal. This guy turns from half field. I'm cheating oh. off my line. He puts it over my head and they score. And I remember as I got up from that, I saw all the coaches get up. They left. And for about six, seven months, no coaches called me. All those coaches that I that had, like, were so excited to see me play, all the offers, everything, all the interest was gone. So yeah. I went through a really, really tough period because even in that summer, we, played again, we, went, to the, we went to the showcase, the, uh, not showcase, the DA playoffs. First game out of three. I make a mistake, we lose two to one. Like horrible mistake. They shoot a ball. I was I went to the ground. I dropped it. Guy taps it in. Very very similar to like Oliver Kahn in the in the 2002 World Cup. Very yeah. similar to that. And then second game, obviously my teammates throughout those like day and a half were just where if we don't make this, it's your fault. All this negative energy was was coming towards me. My coach even said after the game, he was like, "Look, that can't happen if you want to be a pro." And I got yeah. it. Like I talk about, you know there's times where like I see my goalkeepers make a mistake and how he, how he handled me is not yeah. how I would handle it. So you, you know, you, you pick and choose what, what you hear and what you see from your, your previous coaches. So he handled it wrong. Then he pulled me aside prior to the game and said, look, we need you to come out and play well. Like, let's do this. I need you to be, you know, and I, I never really made mistakes. So that was new to me. Boom. Like 20, no, 20 minutes. We're up, we're up two to one. We have to win this game to go through. We're watching the results on the next field. They're losing. So it, it would have evened us in the, in the, uh, in the group. And, Again, they hit a ball. It, like, I was a little easy scoop. I was about to pick it up, already looking at the next play. Took my, took my eyes off the ball, went straight through my hands. We tied 2-2, and now we're completely out of it. We go to the last game against Arsenal, who's you know California team. That doesn't even mean anything. I was supposed to go to some cup that summer, which is uh, all the MLS teams go. And I had gone the year before, and the, the, all, all the intentions were like, hey, we're bringing you on. You're, you're coming. No, no issues. Sure. We, get on the, we get on the bus, and my goalkeeper coach taps me. He says, look, I think we're going to go with Vince. We're going to go with the other guy, and uh, we're going we're gonna to keep you home. I think right now your mental state needs to, to recover. We just don't think you're going to be able to help us win this tournament or help us you know, progress in this tournament. So we're going to keep you home and let you, you, know, let you re uh, re recover from whatever this week has, has brought you in terms of psycholog uh, psychological challenges. So, again, within like six months, everything that I had ever dreamed of for college, uh, all the plans I ever had, UCLA, all these different things were slowly diminishing because now I'm like almost crossed off the list. And last minute, probably going into my senior year, it was like, I'd say close to December time of high school. And I went to uh, with one of my dad's friends who knew George Koontz at UC Irvine. And they had wanted me to come. I sat down in a meeting with them and George looked me in my face and said, look, Omar, we're considering bringing you in, but honestly, we just think you're, you're too soft. And I was like, I'm not sure. 
okay? Can you explain a little bit more? I'm not sure what that means. He just said, look, you just seem like too nice of a guy to, to play Division One, And we know you have the talent, but we don't think you could be the guy. And for that reason, I, I wanted to tell you face-to-face. -face. So I was, again, my teammates at training sessions were going <coughs> with the number one now. All the jokes and all the little things and communication that we used to have is going through the number one now. My goalkeeper coach, his attitude towards me is kind of like he almost cost me my job is, is how I felt every day for him. He just made it seem like it was, it was, it was my fault that everything happened, which, again, I, I was young, and I wish I had someone to put my, you know, their arm around me. But it is what it is. And then I kid you not, I still remember I was in class, and I had like a, well, these new phones, and I was e yeah, emailing, I forgot, I think Ditta, I think, yeah, the goalkeeper coach at Irvine. And I said, look, I want to come to Irvine. And like, we don't have any money for you. I was like, look, I don't need money. Just get me into Irvine. I'll get myself in my grades and I'll come and walk on the team. I don't care. I was that desperate. Yeah. And so he, you know, I, I played cat and mouse for about a week. And then they called me and said, look, we're at, we're going after this other guy. Keon Parsa. He ended up going to Georgetown. And they were like, we're, at, we're going after him. And if we can't get him, we'll let you know. So at that point, I was like, great. At least I have something. And, you know, ego as a young kid, you want to play Division One, sure. I, whatever, whatever it means. And I remember my friend calls me. We're playing against Chivas USA. We finished the game. He calls me. He's going to LMU. Or he's going to Davis, excuse me. And he calls me and says, hey, Davis coach wants to know if you wanted to come. I'm going to Davis. You just come with me. Like, I want you just – I want to have you there. Let's go train. And let's go to the camp. That was a field player teammate? Field player teammate. Okay. Yeah, one of, my, uh, one of my really good friends from um, – he ended up going to LMU. But I'll, I'll finish the story out. And it, like, it, it all ended up working out for both of us. But – we go to Davis, and I again, I remember I was in this parking lot with my mom, and I, she could see that I was, you know, kind of down. And you, at that point, too, you're just playing, you're just playing the, hand, the, the cards that are being dealt to you, you know. You're on this high pedestal thinking you're the guy, Division One scholarships are going to come, and then one thing leads to another, you're a nobody. So I'm going to Davis blinded, like, not blind, but like as, as kind of a nobody, but I do have the Galaxy tag on me, so at least I have something. And we're in this hotel, we're in the parking lot, and... You know, we're religious, but my mom, she just like, you know, uh, she sees, she's like, you're not acting like yourself. What's going on? I was like, I'm just nervous. Like, this is literally the last opportunity I had. If I don't get this, like, I don't, I'm not going to go to Irvine for free. Like, so we did like a little prayer and she could see that, like, you know, that, that kind of calmed me down a little bit. We go to Davis, uh, the goalkeeper coach, Jason, who is like a great friend of mine now. He says, where's the galaxy guy? So he's like, you're working with me all day. So he and I worked together for probably, you know, the, the, the entire warm-up. He liked what he saw throughout the whole, the whole the, the training sessions and, like, the games and evaluations and all that. I played extremely well, like, back to my normal self, and I got this, like, arrogance towards me. Like, I felt good. Like, I good. felt like things were falling into place. And, you know, one thing led to another. A week later, I'm in the parking lot. My friend and I were walking. He calls me, and he says, hey, Omar, uh, Dwayne, the head coach there, and he says, look, we're, we want to offer you a scholarship here. We want you to come to Davis. Like, we need you to come in for, for the fall of next year. Said yes. And, yeah, it was just a, you know, I got my scholarship. I went there. I played. Freshman year, I broke my wrist in preseason. It was, a, it was like, it wasn't even with the team. It was captain's practice. 1v1, I came out. Uh, again, I always, I always tape my wrist. No one had wrist tape because uh, because of the there's no coaching staff there's no yeah. trainers out there. I didn't have a car. I didn't have a bike yet, so I couldn't go to like Big Five or anywhere to buy tape. So I said, you know what? Last training session before we get in with the team tomorrow, not a big deal. One v one, I came out. They they hit a square ball across, and I literally just come across to spread myself. Last minute save. The guy laces it straight into my my limp wrist, breaks my wrist. Um, I come into preseason again a little bit out of shape. Dwayne sees me after a week and says, look, we're going to redshirt you. 
You know, you didn't come in the, you didn't come into the season in shape. We're going to work on you over the summer. Just keep getting better. And first goalkeeper goes down. He messes up his, uh, he gets concussion. Second yeah. goalkeeper, like three, four games later, he comes out for a ball, lands on his shoulder. He tears his uh, labrum or something in his labrum. shoulder. So we're playing against, I think it was St. Mary's. And 30 minutes in, they, they put me in. And then after that, I did really well. After that, the starting goalkeeper came back from his concussion. He played two, three games. And then he and I started splitting games. And then I became the starter 12 games in. So, again, it, we talk about it all the time, just like, the game is the best teacher on the field and off the field. And I feel like off the field, it humbled me to, to yeah. realize that nothing is given. Nothing is, is – you can't take anything for granted because the moment you do, the person behind you is going to take your spot. And you're going yeah. to be regretting those, those moments that you took for granted. So I, I, that's a little bit of the backstory of my college days and how I got to Davis. Oh, it's awesome. And, um, you know, there's a bunch of good people that have come on here as well. Alberto is staying up to watch us, which is nice. Uh, Rich <laughs> Ryan has hopped on. Uh, Mac Wheeler has hopped on. So, um, you know, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a good good GK union we got going tonight. But it, it, it kind of underscores the importance of having a GK guy, whether it be at school, whether GK girl, whatever. It, is, it doesn't matter. GK coach. At school, at your club, whatever, to – to talk to you in the in the proper and with the proper mindset, um, yeah. Because you know there are a couple of things that you that you said in there that for me would be managed better by somebody that really really understood the position, knew what buttons to press, how to manage a person, not handle them. You handle animals. You manage people. <laughs> yeah. And and you know help somebody through moments especially yeah. young, young men um, and young women, but help them through moments and prepare them the right way. Yeah. Obviously, you had some great people there, but you know, as, as young men and women, and I've been there as well, I was pretty clueless at that time in my life. And you know, I, it, we sometimes forget that as we get older, if we continue to work with that age, they stay the same, but we get older. And yeah. their problems, are they might be a little different, but they're going to be largely the same. And it's important for us to, to recognize though, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. So, and I think it's uh, something that my dad has been really big on right now is EQ, like emotional intelligence. And obviously one is like the individual and how you perceive yourself and how you handle certain situations. But I've kind of flipped that. And I think as a coach now, I'm, I'm looking at the emotional intelligence that I can have when it comes to goalkeepers and, and how they, like Andrew Sparks and the guys who I've interviewed, they've said like what makes each goalkeeper tick and, yeah what it is about the personality that you're going to be able to kind of bottle into a message and get the best out of them. So yeah. I think that has been, like you said, it's, it's kind of understanding the person. And then after that, then you, you can understand the goalkeeper a little bit more, because if you're trying to develop the goalkeeper, you have to get to the person first. And if you get to the sure. person, then they're all ears, all every, all their eyes, everything is going to be set towards you and how you can help them improve. And you need to gain their trust. And the reason why I think, I mean, I don't know if that's the reason, but the goalkeeper coach that I had at galaxy, the guy who ended up becoming the number one Vince, he ended up going to LMU, who our goalkeeper coach was the goalkeeper coach there. So it was, again, I don't know what had happened or what it was, but I, I felt like there was some favoritism there. And the way he handled me and he, the way he handled other people was a little bit different. But again, I mean, it's... Because he, he should have managed you and not handled you. <laughs> he should, there are situations that could have been handled better, but as a person, he could have managed me a little bit better. He was just very serious, very Air Force. That's where he's like his background. And to me personally, I like to joke around. I like to make, you know, make jokes. I just like to take the, air, the 
make everything light a, a little bit more and, and make sure that when I step into a game, that's when the serious mode comes into play. And yeah. there were times like, you know, I, I don't want to harp on this too much, but there was, there was, I remember this like yesterday, we had a warm up, and he was do, having us do like lunges and he was having us do certain things that like I had, I get really bad cramps. So my hamstrings were already shot. My warm up was, was crap. And he said, he like walked up to me and he was like, uh, he, he yelled at me in the warm, like, get your, you know, get your crap together now. So I kind of like shut down a little bit and I was like a little bit timid. And yep. then he pulled, you know, after the warm up, he like pulled me aside and he was just like in front of the other goalkeeper. He's like, Omar, can I play you today? Like you shut down in that warm up. Can I play you today? I need to know if your confidence is there. I'm like, oh, I'm fine. Don't worry. And he's like, I'm not going to I'm not going to be upset. Just tell me. Was it because I yelled at you that that kind of shut you down a little bit? I was like, no, not at all. Like, I feel fine. You know, I'm like, you know, trying to like be, be tough. Sure, rough exterior. Exactly. And he was like, no, no, like, Omar, honestly, tell me, tell me. Like, is it because I yelled at you? And at, that, at this point, I was like, okay, he's trying, to, he's trying to get my attention and I'm going to give it to him because, yes, it did rattle me, but he's giving me this like platform now to speak the truth. And I sure. was like, coach, yeah, I did. Like, it definitely did rattle me a little bit. And I, I felt a little bit like, you know, not insecure, but I was a little timid. And it was like, are you serious, Omar? You think you can play at the Division One level with this attitude? And, like, really dug into me. So, again, that, that, that level of mismanagement was something that I, I took when I got to, the, to Davis and my goalkeeper coach was the complete opposite. And I really stepped into that environment and, and, yeah. and, uh, and thrived because of the way he took care of me, took care of my psyche, put a lot of responsibility on me. And a lot of times it's not about the physical side. On the field is great, yes but off the field and how you put your arm around somebody. Can you call them and say, Hey, how school can you call them and say, you know, I, I send me some footage. You know what I mean? Like there's different ways to approach different people and yeah. he, he didn't have the right way. And you know, he, he got my trust, but then slowly ate away at it with certain comments like that. So that's, that's the reason why, and again, the reason why I've been doing my interviews, I'm sure you have as well is to understand like the background of people and what yeah. in, events in their life led them to be, you know, the temperament that they have, the patience they have, EQ that they have, IQ that they have. So like, I, have, I look back at all those little moments and I started, I've started like drawing conclusions as, oh my God, that's why I coach this way. That's why I you sure. know, don't do this, don't do that. So yeah, it's, it's interesting. Yeah, we are, uh, we are, we are made up of, of a lot of things that happened previous in our life. Yes. That's, that's for sure. Um, a little reset for those that have hopped in. We're, we're here with Omar and as Alberto at Leadership and Soft Skills, amazing story. I love that guy. Um, <laughs> Good dude. So uh, we're here with Omar, Pro GK Academy. We just talked through youth to college. What was your playing mindset after Davis? What was going through your mind from a playing perspective? You know, Stan, I'll be honest with you. There, was, there were times where, like, academically, I, I wasn't up to par. And I almost got kicked out of school multiple times because I just didn't take school seriously. So I really... Like, I just wanted to get school taken care of. Like, that's all I cared about. Right. And after my senior year, I still had the winter quarter, the spring quarter, and then the fall quarter. So I would have done four years full and then one extra year. So I would have done a fifth year. Um, so in that December period, my coach calls me and he says, you know, I want to I want to put your name into the draft. One thing led to another. That didn't work out. But the Galaxy, over that summer, my senior year, of high school or excuse me, of college, they were bringing back a lot of us and saying, we want to pull, uh, pull from a pool of, of academy graduates. So we're going to bring in like 10 to 15 of you. Have you guys trained in the summer for preseason prior to your guys' actual like college season? Yep. We're going to bring you guys in 
And in this, because that was the year they started uh, Galaxy 2, USL. Yep. So after the season was over, the guy from uh, the Galaxy calls me and said, hey, remember that group? We're bringing a bunch of you guys in for a, uh, for a uh, invite-only combine. So again, my mindset was I want to finish school and I'm just going to step into this opportunity and see what happens. Sure. So I went, I went into the combine, did really well. And then they called me and said, hey, we want you to come for preseason. And I said, okay, let me think about it. So I thought about it for a few days. And then I said, honestly, I love playing, but academics, I've done almost four years here at Davis. I've gone right. through crazy obstacles to, to continue my education without flunking out. So I'm going to stay here. I have a house with all my friends. I'm going to take, it, you know, take care of this. And then after that, I'll go play. But, you know, to be honest with you, I think mentally I was checked out. Because sure. physically, physically, I didn't take care of my body. Diet, I didn't take care of my body. Nutrition, none of that was really important. So, unfortunately, like, I just didn't feel good every time I played. I just – I wasn't like when I was a kid playing free. There was all these little things that I was juggling. And it was to my own detriment that I was doing to myself. I'm not going to blame anybody. It was me. Sure. So, so I, I got that call. And then a few days later, I called him back. And I said, uh, Dave, look, I don't think I'm going to be able to take that opportunity. Uh, I want to finish my school. I want to take care of academics. And then hopefully in the summer and the next year, I can come to another trial and see if, if you guys will take me then. Okay. He was he was a little taken taken back by it, kind of like you, you're really going to you know say no to the Galaxy. But I knew in my heart that I didn't want to play anymore. I just didn't right. want to do it. But if I did, I could come back in the summer or after you know my, my senior year or my fifth year. I could do that and then come back and play. I can always play. Yeah. So I went back to school. Things were great. Then the World Cup 26, uh, 2014 happened, and I was playing, I think, a uh, men's league game, one-on-one -on -one situation. I was playing forward. I took a big touch. The, the goalkeeper was a little reckless. He was coming at me, so I was like, okay, I need to get the ball before he gets there. Stuck out my leg to, like, you know, create separation. And only time I've ever worn Nike cleats, by the way. I wore Nike cleats when I was a kid at, like, 10 years old, and I wore Adidas the rest of my life. The one time I've worn Nike, my cleats got stuck in the ground. My knees, when I stand, are already, like, inverted a little bit, like 108 degrees. So my knee caved in, tore my ACL. And, yeah, that was, that was the end of my career. It was, like, on top of me not wanting to play, then an injury happened. Yeah. So, yeah, it was, a, it was a definitely a defeating moment. Now I don't have any trainers. I don't have anybody to guide me anymore. I'm done, with, I'm done at Davis. All the, you know, the facilities, the rehab, all that's yeah. not an option. I'm, going, I'm yeah. just, like, a regular civilian. So it took me about two and a half months after my, my tear to get surgery because I was at Kaiser and I was at their you know, discretion and whatever time they had for me, that's when I got in. Sure. So two, and a half, two and a half months later, then I go back to Davis to finish off my fifth year. Uh, ACL still, still torn, still walking around with my crutches. And then I'm like limping around at training, helping the team out however I can. And yeah, that was a tough time. But yeah, I think that's when I really got into coaching a lot more. And I, I, the coach for, for Davis gave me certain responsibilities, go, go warm up the goalkeepers. Can you watch this film? Can you give us the scouting report? And that really triggered to me like, oh, wow, I can still stay involved in the game, but I can also like not have to be a goalkeeper or my ACL is an, an issue. So that's kind of how I got into coaching at that time. I tell you, I don't know that, well, I, I guess I, I believe that if you're a, if you've never put on a pair of gloves, if you've never played a game minimum, in goal, you don't really understand the physical and mental toll that playing for an extended period of time takes on somebody. Oops, sorry. Many people, that's all right, many people will think that it looks like an easy position, especially if you're on a good team. And they think, you know, how can that be difficult? Because they may see 
what happens in a game. They don't see that a goalkeeper works seven times harder during the week leading up yeah. to the game. And I don't know if that's good or bad in the sense that, you know, perhaps an elite-level athlete could be managed better. You know, who knows? And I'm sure some people obviously do that, especially at the pro level. But um, it's uh, it takes its toll. And, you know, Tony, my own son, when, when he went through four years of college, he still had a redshirt year. He was like, I'm, uh, I'm done. You know, I'm yeah. just uh, I'm done with it. And yeah. uh, it comes to that point, you know, for, for everybody. It comes to that point. So, yeah, absolutely. It's tough. It's tough to to uh, to hang it up. And I mean, I, I definitely had moments where I wanted to come back and I did. I, I decided, OK, you know, I went, let's say, 2015, January of 2015, all the way until like August of 2015. I was getting my rehab done. I was taking care of myself, going back at it. And I called the Davis coach and I said, hey, do you mind if I come back to, to Davis and have a grad assistant position, but also to, you know, have a position within the team that I could really start challenging myself as a coach. Yeah. And obviously at the same time too, I'm rehabbing for my ACL. So maybe I can get in as the fourth goalkeeper in training. So I'm just playing like a player coach role. So he says, absolutely. Yeah, come by. So I, I live with a bunch of my, four, four of my friends at their house. I'm living on their futon. Uh, by this point, all my friends who I had went to school with had all graduated, so I'm with younger guys. I'm living on their futon, going through my ACL injury. I had a man bun at the time, so you could tell midlife crisis already. I'm going through, I'm going through yeah. stuff. And, yeah, I got so one I'm, of those. <laughs> it's back, know, it's back there. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, that's, 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 also, that's also where, like, a lot of the trial and error of, of me as a person, where I used to take a lot of shortcuts as a person. So I was trying to, you know – work on I had a music festival I went to Coachella and I had this idea of like how about if I make like a backpack that turns into a chair so in the middle of the concert I could sit down yeah so I I, so I got with the structural engineer and I got with a graphic designer we started making ideas so it was just I was trying to get rich quick without putting any effort or time into things and yeah. little by little I started realizing through my friends and what their successes and what their conversations with me is like this is not a recipe for success. This is a recipe for disaster. And everything you're doing to this point has been by the skin of your teeth. But to actually get to the, to the next level, you really need to, to step it up and, and sink your teeth into something. So, you know, I did these projects for two, three years. Hey, what's good? <laughs> Keep going. We're sinking our teeth into something. I want to hear what we're sinking our teeth into. Okay, okay. Um, yeah. you, make, you make me nervous, dude. Nice mustache. <laughs> Thank you. Appreciate it. Uh, but no, yeah, I just, I was trying to do all this stuff. And then when I got to Davis again, you know, living on the futon and all that stuff, I said, okay, you know what? Come that December of 2015, I'm going to go to an open trial for the Galaxy. And when they said open trial, it was an open trial. Literally anybody and any, everybody could come. So I yeah. went and again, from, I was literally starting from square one. I was a nobody. No one knew who I was. I was walking around like I heard guys calling. Yeah, I'm here at the uh, Gallus trial. I don't know, Donovan might come through right now and, and train with us. And like, I just knew these guys were like putting up a facade to their friends who were back in wherever. Yeah. So I was like, wh where am I and why am I here? So I went through that trial. I was overweight and figured I figured out at that point, I'm like, honestly, to get back into things and start over is probably not where I need to be because every year a new, go new goalkeeper who's the cream of the crop of the college game they come through and then now you're kind of reset if you don't take your opportunity when you're right. kind of the hot topic. So by the time I got into that point where I said, I want to come back, they were like, look, we've already moved on. We found somebody else. So it was just all these things I was juggling, trying to go pro, trying to create a backpack chair that could be used at a, at a music festival, 
I went through like uh, merchandise, apparel for hats, like uh, Arabic numbers of like professional athletes that, you know, th I thought would make me rich. God knows why. But sure. I started doing I started doing all this stuff and never really found success until I had a few friends who really sat me down. I had my friend Lucas. He was on here earlier. I don't know if he's on here anymore, but he pretty much threw it like a text thread told me like, I'm tired of hearing all this stuff about you, man. Like you tell me you're going to do this, but you give up within a week. You're telling me you want to make all this money, but you don't ever try. Like, I'm just tired of hearing it. So next time you tell me something, like it better be like something concrete. So I said, okay. I didn't want to hear that, but I needed to hear that. And then my mom, a few days later, you know, she sees me going to the gym, coming home, watching Champions League, and then doing nothing the rest of the day. So she's like, we paid for your education. We did all this stuff for you. And you are pretty much giving us a middle finger. Like, yeah. you need to figure your, your stuff out. How about you get into coaching? So full circle now, the coach that brought me in at U11, Sharif, he said, I need a goalkeeper coach. Do you want to come in? So I came in, the, the keepers are paying me $15 and I had like three keepers. So I was not making very much, but Hey, it was something twice right. a week, little by little, I started getting more and more confidence and started realizing like, Oh my God, like this is actually something that I really do enjoy. You know, it's, it's, I'm done with playing. I'm done with all that stuff, but this is something that I really enjoy. But as you know, Stan, not much money at the beginning. So I've, I could honestly say without my parents, I wouldn't be the point where I'm, I'm at now because they really created like a safe zone for me to come home. They paid for the rent, paid for my food, did all this stuff. And, you know, a lot of my content is for free. So it's hard for me to make an income off of like free content. And I think it's good that I kept it for free because now a lot of kids are able to access, you know, stuff that you'd have otherwise have to pay for. So it's, it's honestly full circle. Everything's come to a head now where I have a platform now that I can help people. And I really do feel if it wasn't for my parents, it wasn't for going through those times of trying to take shortcuts. And then my friends telling me off, my parents sitting me down and really giving me lectures. None of that would have led me to this point. So I've just been, it's been, I've been really fortunate to have people around me in my life. Uh, you as well, who obviously we all know, I mean, people don't know, but stuff that you've done for me the last few days have been like second to none. So it's just been, I've been really surrounded by some of the best people that I could have ever uh, come across. And it's been, it's been a wild journey to be honest. It's a good union. It really is, yeah. And I mean, you don't, you don't really know. Again, like if you step into any environment and you go half, I say half ass, but you go half ass on stuff, you're never gonna really meet the right people because you're gonna have to keep knocking on doors. Like I met you probably, I'd say like a year and a half to two years into me starting Pro GK. But right. had I given up and not done any of that stuff, you and I probably wouldn't have crossed paths because, right. you know, it's just everyone's busy with their day to day stuff. You just never know where you're gonna meet somebody and how you're gonna meet them. So you, you know, you just, you just never know, even at my Davis story, like I went on a whim to a Davis camp and within a week I was signing a four, not four year deal, but I was signing a deal to go there. You yeah. know what I mean? So you just got to keep on knocking on those doors and eventually something's going to happen and you just got to be willing to uh, take those opportunities once they do come. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, you're a beauty, man. You're a beauty. <laughs> the 40 <laughs> listeners are in for a good show. I miss you. <laughs> miss you too, man. We'll see you soon, hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Spirit character. My spirit character. Who's your spirit character? Mine this is, is right here. Yes. <laughs> the greatest stunt man of all time, the Canadian Evil Knievel, Duke Kaboom. Mm. Duke Kaboom. Who's yours? Uh, it can, can it be a, like a human, like an actual person? It can be fiction, nonfiction, Disney, okay. Pixar. It can be anything, anyone. Oh, I would say to me, to, to that encapsulated everything that I ever wanted to be is Peter Schmeichel. 
Okay. Like that, that was the way, I mean, I, I, I take a little bit off of everybody, but to me, like his demeanor, his ruthless demeanor, the way he commanded his box, his shot stopping, his unorthodox ability of making saves, he throw the ball like 60 yards, he could punt the ball 60 yards, like all these little things that he was able to do, I started picking up on and going, I want to be like that. I want, I, I want to be the kind of guy who commands the respect. For better or for worse, there were times where I would yell nonsense and my, my teammates would feed it right back to me. But that was what I wanted to be, Peter Schmeichel. I, I, I told the story, but I had the little cassette tape. It was that and Rush Hour 2. My brother and I would flip between those two every single night because we had a bunk bed. And we would put it into the v VHS thing, and then we would end up watching the Peter Schmeichel. It's like not the best goalkeeper in the world. For sure, whatever I forgot what it was. Arguably but, the best goalkeeper, yes. definitely the best goalkeeper. I remember yes, it well. <laughs> and it was like one of the best things that took you through his entire life, took you through his his playing ability and like the championships they won. And like I remember rehearsing like the 1999 uh, Champions League final against uh, against Bayern Munich, where they ended up winning that in the last minute. You know, into into Sheringham and Solchars. Like I remember like the the exact commentary from it till this day. And I watched him, and I remember I would go to I would go to games, and I would make a save, and I'm like, Peter would definitely be happy about that one. Like I would, that's how that's how connected I felt to him. Yeah. And so obviously with social media now, you see you got you're a lot closer to those guys as as as, uh, as you grow up, and you get to see what, what their actual personalities were. And he wasn't the most liked guy, unfortunately. I think right. he had some some people that he really made a uh, uh, enemies with his teammates, coaches, and all that. But to me, at a young age, he influenced the way I played, the way I walked, the way I talked, the way I trained, everything. Leadership's a lonely place, Omar. And uh, he was definitely a leader. And um, sometimes that can piss people off. But when you're performing at the clip that he was performing at, um, you know, look what's happening on the last dance with Michael Jordan. Yep. He, was, he was worried about how people would perceive him. But really what you're seeing, I think, is his peers at the time, and they're obviously peers now, but um, they're even singing his praises 30 years down the road uh, yeah. of how he carried himself. And he ran people out of that organization like once a week, you know. So yeah. um, it's, uh, it's a different mindset for some of the elite, and, you know, it's a, it's a special place. But we've got a bunch of questions here. Sure. And anybody else that wants to put them through, but we're not going to get through them all. There's already nine minimum here, so <laughs> I'm ready uh, for. Them. Let's uh, let's dive into some and, and see what we got. Fair enough. Yes, sir. All right, because we still have a few few things. We got about 17 minutes left. Do you know how we end the show? Have you uh, have you heard how we end the show? No, I I usually come on at the beginnings and I, I leave early. So Skyler <laughs> expose myself. Skyler has uh, she was on our youth GK week, and uh, she was great, unbelievably bright kid out of Michigan. She said that the way to end the show is for the guest to say GK Union and then either give a whatever they want to give, thumbs up, whatever, and then I say it, but then we're done. Then we're done. <laughs> okay. There's no words after that. So when we get to that point, we'll close shop and everything, but when you say GK Union, I say it, we're done. Gotcha. Sounds Deal? good to me. Yes, and sir. we still got Mount Rushmore, so okay. let's, uh, let's see, what we, <clears throat> see what we got here. All right, Muscle Mason, Mason Benjamin. Might there ever be a time where youth goalkeepers play only at goalkeeper academies, not clubs? Uh, Stan, you help me with this one. I think, I mean, I, I don't know enough about the DAs. The, I know, obviously, the DA is shut down. So I, I'm 
their biggest selling point and pitch point to everybody was come play DEA because we can get you to college. We can get you to, you know, seen by professional players or professional coaches. So I think they really sold certain dreams to people. Whereas I've met a lot of kids who play club and get a lot of minutes. And again, you can never really gain that experience and go through trial and error unless you play games. So if you feel like you can play more at a club level, do it. If you feel like you want to sit it out with different personalities, I wouldn't have done it. If they said, hey, you're not going to be the starter, I would have probably said, okay, I'm going to go play club because I want to, to play. Sure. And my parents and people around me would have told me the same thing. So it depends. I, I think now if you can play club and get minutes, go for it. If you can get into the academy and you want to stick it out and you're patient and you want to be that number one, yeah. there's, there's two roads. Yeah. I think, uh, I, I think on the MLS side, and I, I've had the, the beauty or agony, whatever, of, of coaching on the club side in the DA, on the MLS side in the DA. Um, and at the end of the day, I think on the MLS side, it's great. There's great people, but it's a little bullshit in this sense. Yeah. They're not going to sign everybody as a pro. You're not going to sign every goalkeeper as a pro. And so to keep that many, unless you're truly training them and helping them, then, okay, you can, you can, you can, uh, you can sell that dream, if you will. But there's too much emphasis on the becoming a pro when in this country there is a viable option and that's to play collegiately. And last I checked, we've had some World Cup teams that have been laden with former college guys that did extremely well on the international level. So I don't, until we prove it at the, on the international stage that we can, can go to a, a 16 and 8, a 4, a winner world title, World Cup, then with guys that have come straight through the DA, straight to a pro team, signed overseas, et cetera, et cetera, then yep. okay to prove me wrong. But I don't know. I'm a little, uh, I'm a little hesitant. But people want to hear from you, not me. So let's get into <laughs> some more questions. All you right. answered that better than I could have answered this. I, was well, like, I don't know about that. But <laughs> all right, let's uh, – I can't read some of these because they're too small. But ever either uh, you have a fragmented GK grew and your team as a coach, maybe you can read the rest. Where's, uh, where there's definite tension. Uh, yeah, Coach Jeff, Jason. Um, yeah, I think when I when I was at Davis, we had a few. We had one character, one guy, who was I mentioned this morning on with John Bush and Andy and Mike that there were times where he was in the session and he felt that he was better than me, and he kept he wanted to be. I don't know if he was playing mind games or what it was, but he just wanted to make it known that he was the fittest. He won the most. Uh, you know, small-sided games. His team was always winning. So he was very verbal about that. And then in sessions two, I could hit him five good services and one bad one. And on that bad one, he would let, he would let me have it. Like, come yeah. on, guys. We're, try, we're trying to make each other better. You know, very, like, he would say negative things sometimes. And it, to me, it was just one of those ex experiences where I was like, dude, come on. Like, I don't, I don't need this extra drama right now. And right. sometimes, obviously, in the grand scheme of things, I think it may have helped me. Because it obviously helped me, you know, recenter and refocus in those moments of, of just kind of somebody else trying to knock you off your off your off your rocker a little bit, trying to knock you off your your, your, yeah. your confidence. So I think in games when I had you know verbal arguments with my teammates or other players in the game, I would always be able to refresh my mind or recenter and go, okay, I'm good, I'm chilling. So I think yeah. he helped me. He helped me get to that point. But I've definitely been in those environments where there's tension, and there's not really much. You can do. You can definitely go about it, and if you want to talk to them and say, "Look, I feel this. I need you to like tone it down," 
or you can talk to the goalkeeper coach. And if the goalkeeper coach is paying attention, they'll, they'll be the ones to notice it. And they'll say, look, guys, I don't care what you guys do off the field, but on this, on this training ground, I need you guys to respect each other. There's yeah. got to be a foundation of respect. If there's not, I'm going to send you guys both home. And I think that's something that I had to learn as a coach going into the college game uh, the last two years is that we had guys of all different abilities. And we had our starter who was obviously very, very good. And some guys who didn't know how to hit a volley at the lower level of the, of the, the, D2, the, the D2 um, roster. Sure. So it was, it was difficult to, obviously, you want the coach. But then I got to a point of like, okay, in a game, the service isn't going to be perfect. So I get it that he's, not, he's kind of screwing up the drill. But instead of you complaining, how about we access the entire bubble? How about when you say, when he hits the volley, maybe I need to have to move one inch or two feet to the right, two feet to the left, versus just being so surprised and getting upset when they miss hit the volley. So, you know, I, I give each, each individual some tasks that if the goalkeeping union becomes fragmented in training – this is how you should go about it. If you feel like you're an older goalkeeper and that younger goalkeeper is not doing what you need for you to be ready for that weekend game, pull them aside. I'll give you free rank. Pull them aside. Have a conversation, but there's got to be respect. Yeah, 100%. 100%. Yeah. All right, let's see what else we got here. See if I can. <clears throat> oh, boy, it looks like uh, some people that may know you here. Oh, best, best pregame meal in San Gabriel Valley. Hey, man, of art. Um, no, honestly, I didn't, I didn't play very many games here. When I was younger, I would eat Subway. That's literally all I had. Subway before my games. And again, now that I know more about nutrition, bread is probably not the way to go. Cliff Bar is not the way to go before games. So I wish I would have known that growing up. Uh, but in college, it was, uh, yeah, Subway. We'd have a team meal. And it's a quick one for me. I don't know if San Gabriel Valley here, there's good food, but I would probably just go Subway or make food at home. Well, I just learned what SGV stands for. So <laughs> fantastic. I learned something. <laughs> All right, let's see what else we got here. All right, this is good. And it looks like Alberto put one through as well. Maybe these two is what we'll have here. Perfect. Uh, what is your opinion? What is, in your opinion, the hardest topic or area to create a full session from? Uh, you know what, Stan? The biggest, uh, the biggest one that I've had to deal with are probably live shooting and cutbacks. I've definitely – I've been very vocal about this. My buddy Armando, I don't know if he's on here either, but – yeah, Art said Rafi's. Rafi's is actually really good, by the way. So if you're ever in San Gabriel Valley, Rafi's is the spot. All right, um, SGV, I'm going to Rafi's. <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm in. I'm in. <laughs> that's all I needed to get you here. Okay, I'll make sure I'll do that earlier next time. But <laughs> um, but no, he uh, – yeah, I, I remember in the offseason, I've, I've said it on a few podcasts, in the offseason with Armando, Jake, and uh, – oh, my God. Uh, the other guy's name, I'm forgetting. But I had the, these guys in, and we did a cutback session. The session was good. The first, uh, let's say, it wasn't announced services, but there was like a small window of opportunity where I was doing the one who was doing the, the service, and it was like a rollback, and I would tap it, and it was just on frame. Okay, we had no issues. But once we started going into live shooting where I would take the ball down the line, I could cross it to the guy on the top, cross it to the guy on the far post, and if I took an extra touch, they could both come in and, and you know, working on tap-ins. First two guys went, and they got great service. They got, you know, great substance and quality in the goal. Yeah. And then Armando went in, and the guys, for some reason, couldn't put their, their shots on frame. Yeah. They kept missing the frame. They kept uh, skying it, roofing it. And when they had their shots, they were doing these little chips. And it just wasn't, to me, it just it didn't come off the way. And it was like what I had budgeted in terms of like a nightmare situation. If this goes wrong, this is what's going to happen. Bennett, yeah, I'm sorry. I screwed up. That's his name. <laughs> All uh, right. But, uh, but no. And then, so Armando, obviously, you guys know him from my videos. He and I were like best, best friends. And he essentially, it, it got to a point where 
he drives about two hours to get there and my tension and his tension of the service is not going right. He ended up like slapping one of my mannequins down and saying, this is BS. This is absolute crap. I drive two hours for this, this BS and we can't even get a, a shot on, on frame. Like you're putting me through sessions that I don't want to be put through. This yeah. is not helping me at all. I, I, this is, this is BS. He and I exchanged words. It was uncomfortable for everybody else, but we had that level of respect where we won't take it too far, but we really laid into each other. And I walked, I walked off the field again and was really like not hurt by it, but like was trying to analyze what I could have done better, what I, what I could do better. And then I asked Paul Rogers, I asked Phil Wedding, Chris Sharp, Todd Hofford, all those guys like, hey, do you guys ever have bad sessions? And they reminded me that, yes, we do. Don't let it bug you. Coaches are always going to have right. bad sessions. Right. Things don't go the way they're supposed to go. And you need to be able to go back to the drawing board and understand what went wrong and how you can modify it. So even though I had, even though I budgeted crisis, I wasn't prepared for that crisis because I didn't know the emotions that I was going to feel or whatever. So now that I run those sessions, when I try and make them as game realistic as I can and, and put the goalkeepers in, in situations where they're, they're obviously being, the, the demands of the session are going to be relatable to the game. I've come to understand that, look, maybe even having them take two touches instead of asking for a one-touch finish, maybe even that second touch, the goalkeeper has to readjust their position so we're learning something. Yeah. So, I, you know what I mean? So now it's like I don't have to scrap it completely, but now I know we can, we can really work from there. Yeah. I tell you, in 2016 with the fire first team with uh, Sarkey, we had that mm. crew, and um, there was a day where – my volleys weren't spot on there. They, they weren't on, you know, I, yeah. I, was, I was struggling getting them there and it's a goalkeeper still in the league. And, uh, he was upset, nothing dramatic that, uh, I tweeted that I could have been better, you know, that, that, uh, such and such was good, but I could have been better. And then I heard from the former goalkeeper coach that, uh, that's not something that you, uh, that you say. And mm -hmm. to me, I was like, I'll say what I want to say. You know, that's how I felt about how I covered that day and how I coached that day. And I don't mind that everybody knows that that's my job to say, not your job to be critical of it. But anyway, we had sure. a bit of a go in that, in that moment. And uh, they happen. And then you recover and you get back at it the next day. But let's, uh, let's you get grow, to Alberto. Honestly, that's, yeah. Let's get to Alberto. Sure. We got about five minutes left. Uh, and okay. we got Winnie, Winnie as well. Damn it. All right. I answer both of those on some quick. Here we go. Uh, how do you work? How do you work with keepers that have played higher level ball? Is it hard to earn their respect? Alberto, great question. And I'm going to be honest with you. I struggle with this a lot. I, I've struggled with this in terms of where do I make my coaching points? Where do I step in and it's not condescending? Where do I step in? And obviously they're coming into preseason or like an off season training with me. And once they go into their professional environment, am I over coaching because they're still out of shape and they're working things out? Am I overcritical on certain techniques? Am I, am I going to be changing who they are? And that has been something that I've struggled with, and I don't really have an answer. All I know is that through my experiences, the best thing that I can do is film the sessions and then go over the film with the guys because now there is a level of communication that's been set where I'm not calling you out on stuff that I'm seeing. It's more of we've collaborated. We've seen what you need to work on. Like sure. Bennett, this, uh, this past offseason – he had this, uh, this thing where he, like, he dropped both knees almost to scoop the ball. And that was just like his defense mechanism, I think, in Italy or wherever he was. Like just getting, that, getting those hands down, that was his thing. And at the beginning, I was like, hey, can we not do that? And he was like, well, I'm killing the ball. And if I'm proficient and, and, and excel at killing the ball right in front of me, why should I change it? And I'm like, okay, yeah, aesthetically it doesn't look good, but you can do what you got to do. 
Then I brought the film in and I showed him different little things. And I said, look, this is what it looks like. And this is what's happening. Your head is getting stuck and your arms are shooting down. So that's causing a lack of hand-eye coordination. So maybe to, to, to train it, how about every time you do go down, bring that head and finish, finish that progression out, finish it all the way out. And he was like, yeah, that's actually a good point for sure. Let's do it. So every session I was like, drop the head, drop the head, finish it out, finish it out. So those little trigger com uh, communication points that he and I, uh, we're, we're not rehearsed, but we discussed. Now when he's out there, I don't have to say much. I'm coaching on the fly. And now I'm not embarrassing him. I'm not right. changing anything, but I'm working with what he's got. So that's what I would say. If any coaches don't, from what I've heard as well from these, I'm, I, can't, I can't take all the credit, but all the, all the answers that you've given, you said the game is the best teacher. So like there are certain things in sessions that you need to just let happen. And then once they happen, then you have those conversations on the side. But if you step in and try to be like an impact coach right away and step in and try to really influence and put your influence and your, you know, your, your touch on everything they do, they're not going to, not going to disrespect you, but you're going to lose them because now you're just, like you said, you're, you're handling them versus managing them. Yeah. I'll tell you right here, Alexi Carroll, who, who was uh, played at Indiana coaches at UIC, phenomenal coach. Um, very, very, very good coach. Very great coach. He'll be pissed off at me if I use the word good. <laughs> just be confident. Don't worry about their names. Just coach what you know and believe. And I think sure. he's 100% right. I think he's 100% yes, right. Sir. Let's get uh, Winnie, who changed his uh, his Instagram name because of this show. So we got about a minute on this one. A minute, okay. Omar. A minute. I'll make it quick. My, my, uh, my vision and goal. Um, obviously, with my channel, I definitely wanted to continue to, to, to grow it. Uh, I'm definitely, I'm at just at the beginning phases now where I'm learning how to edit better. I'm learning how to film better. I'm learning how to do all this stuff. You kick ass with that, man. You do. Thank you. A lot of YouTube uh, tutorials. So I'm just, I'm learning. And then now I'm connecting with guys like yourself, Stan, and other high level coaches. So for me, on the coaching side, I want to continue to get better, be open to criticism, be open to people watching my sessions, watching my videos and helping me. And like we've had in conversations, Stan, like you've been very instrumental in giving me the proper advice of how to deal with certain, you know, let's say bigger groups or deal with, with goalkeepers that don't have like the same traits that you would have as a coach. So I'm picking off little things. So from a coaching perspective, that's great. From the channel's perspective, I really want to continue to grow it and have it be the number one like online resource for goalkeepers around the world. Doesn't matter if California, Wisconsin, uh, you know, out of, out of state, out of the country, anywhere. So I think that's where my goal is. And I'm really hoping that, that I can continue to do that. Who's on your Mount Rushmore? We're inside a minute, dude. Uh, goalkeepers. Uh, I'm going to go with Peter Schmeichel. I'm going to go with uh, Iker Casillas. I'm going to go with Petr Cech. And the last one, it's not. It's going to be kind of controversial, but I'm going to go with Victor Valdez. I love. I love myself some Victor Valdez, and I think he's he's one of those guys who was underrated. He definitely made some mistakes, but he was one of the guys at the forefront of, of Tiki Taka. So I love it. Fantastic, fantastic. Well, we're uh, we're getting close here to to time. Kick ass to have you here. I really appreciate it. I truly do. As you well know, six, seven weeks ago, I hit you up about being on here before yes, I even started doing this every night. So we finally got together and did it, which is <laughs> awesome. Um, yes. I'm hopeful that we have this summer. I'm hopeful we're able to see each other again, obviously, live. All of that depends on the virus, as you know. So yes, sir. we'll go from there. Yes, I'm going to screen record this and get the audio, and I'm going to put it on my podcast channel so everyone who didn't listen, they can hop on there as well. But Stan... One of the goats of uh, the goalkeeping community. Much love and GK Union. GK Union, boss. Take care.